Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nanny at Nanny Resource Podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, we are going to be talking about applied behavioral happiness and all that goes into that. And to do that, I have brought on Kelly Siphon. Hello, Kelly. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you. Um, Kelly and I got a chance to like check in with each other. Was it last week or a couple weeks ago? Time has lost all meaning. That (laughs) is so true. (laughs) Whenever it happened, it was just a really lovely conversation. And I was so excited uh, that you agreed to continue that on (laughs) while being recorded. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. So before we get started talking about applied behavioral happiness and all that that means, I would love to hear kind of your journey working with kids and uh, how you got to opening this business. Absolutely. So it started with babysitting Um, early on. It was one of my first jobs. I had a number of families that I would do regular babysitting with. Um, And then it moved into doing children's birthday parties, uh, making balloon animals, because I had a terrible fear of popping balloons. And I went, you know what, this is this is how I'm going to get over that fear. And that's, that's very me. (laughs) Now, I will tell you, I can still make a wonderful uh, balloon animal wiener dog. I still do not like balloons, but I can I can tolerate them. So you know what, I'm pretty proud of that. From there, Um, In middle school and high school, I got into some mentoring programs. So working with all sorts of different kids a little younger than myself who were super shy, um, had injuries or disabilities that made them them have difficulties getting into social groups and having friends to move forward with. That was really neat. That was through um, Friday Night Live. And then in high school, I started to really think about what I wanted to do when I grew up and took a far turn from kids and went, you know what, I'm going to work with animals and I'm going to train horses, which I had been doing. Um, but I, at that point, I never thought that working with kids would be what, what I was going to do in the long run. Right. And it took me a while to get there. It was, it was a bit of a journey. 
when I finished my undergrad, I was a little bit lost as to what I was going to do and ended up moving to the family ranch to help manage it while um, working on my master's in education. And I got a, a teaching certificate in fifth grade math and science. And oh my goodness, teaching was wonderful. I loved mm. it. The kids were great. The system killed me. Mm-hmm. I didn't even make it a year. <laughs> that was that. So again, I was, I was a little bit adrift and I kind of bounced around to different jobs and ended up on a farm in um, Colorado that was focused on rescues, mostly of abused, neglected, and wild horses. And they would bring in groups like um, wounded veterans and uh, kids with special needs. And we would um, partner, the, the different people would come to visit with um, different horses that kind of matched similar things as far as um, history went. And it was so cool. And I had this amazing group of kids that they kind of just threw me into. They went, well, you've, you've got this master's education. You'll be great. I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. I didn't feel like I was as good for them as I needed to be. And I, I wanted to get more knowledge and I wanted to have more um, training so that I could be the best person for them that, that I could possibly be. And I ended up falling into behavior analysis and was in the field in the, in the classic sense, um, working with autistic kids, working in comprehensive big hour programs for a number of years. And then I started to go, you know, I had as one of my minors um, in my undergrad, I had this, this creativity minor where we learned all this really neat stuff. And so I was using a lot of my knowledge from there in my programming and I was getting a lot of pushback. And when I'd bring up different things that I thought were ethical concerns, I was getting some pushback. And it just, it wasn't feeling like I was as effective as I could be. So very similar to when I was at, at, the, um, at the horse ranch. Mm-hmm. I just didn't feel effective anymore. And I, I, I burnt straight out of the field. And it took me approximately a year to really feel comfortable considering going back into the field. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do burnout because I burnt out. I can use behavior analysis to help with burnout. And I tell you what, the first time I got to do an invited presentation on burnout, I was so excited. I had this group of people, probably about 30 people that were so excited to see me. And as soon as I started, their faces dropped and they told me point blank, no, 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 no. We're not here for occupational burnout. We're here for parental burnout. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to know. Because we either have kids that have behaviors that are too intense so people won't help us or are not intense enough so people are shaming us for wanting help and we're completely burnt out and we need support. And from that, I went, okay, I've spent all these years getting this knowledge. I now hear exactly what parents need. I can create this place. I can take behavior analysis and I can make it something kinder and more consent-filled and more beautiful and accepting to every family, regardless of any diagnoses or what they have going on. And that's how uh, Applied Behavioral Happiness came into being. Wow. I really appreciate you sharing that journey um, because it it is such a lovely story. And I see this often, especially in, in nannying and caregiving, of like all of these pieces coming together so beautifully 
for you to give back and, and support um, your community with all of the, the pieces of knowledge you've gained along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very serendipitous. It is. It is. Well, for listeners, can we talk a little bit about what is ABA? What does that term mean for anyone who doesn't know? Absolutely. So ABA stands for Applied Behavior Analysis. And if you break it down piece by piece, the applied part means applied to real life, applied to making positive changes in human lives specifically. And those positive changes should be socially significant. And the behavior part is looking at behaviors. Mostly uh, behavior analysts like myself are going to be looking at behaviors you can see, but there are way more behaviors than that, as we know, Mm -hmm. like feelings and sensations and um, all of our thoughts. And then the analysis part is talking to how everything we do is data-driven. So putting it all together, it's a data-driven science of behavior applied to making positive changes in humans' lives. At its best and at its core, that's what ABA is. Wonderful. And yeah, I, I'm curious about, um, like, so when you were talking about your journey, you talked about how you worked with you know, kids at first, and then you kind of burnt out of working with them in that specific way. What changes did you make from that, like, typical ABA, like what, what we, what the, like, most common denominator of what ABA is? What changes have you made in creating applied behavioral happiness? Certainly. So, One of the things when you're becoming a behavior analyst, so my, um, like when you see my name written out, it's Kelly Siphon, MED for the master's in education, and then BCBA, that stands for Board Certified Behavior Analyst. To become a behavior analyst, you need to have that master's. And then if you, if that master's isn't in behavior analysis, you need an additional about two to two and a half years of schooling. So it's kind of like getting a second master's. Mm -hmm. And then you need to do 1,500 hours of supervised work. And that whole time, what they're talking to you about is behavior analysis pretty solely. So very focused just on that and talking about um, mentalisms. So you've got behaviorist terms and you've got mentalist terms. And mentalist terms are going to be things generally um, in the training that are looking at feelings or Um, Like I might say, if I'm describing in a mentalist uh, state of mind, I might say, oh, the child is kicking because they're frustrated. Where from a behavioral state of mind, I might say the child is kicking because they would like to escape the task of homework Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, they're, they're frustrated with their homework. So what we have done at Applied Behavioral Happiness is we've gone, we recognize the, the value of understanding the full function of a behavior from a behaviorist mindset. And we recognize that the world works in mentalism. So the world works talking about frustration and and conceptualizing how we feel in those ways. And that's really important. And that doesn't make us bad behavior analysts to first recognize that and then to conceptualize it on our side, but translate it back to English in general. And by doing that, it means that that my top level analysts are still working on a very data-driven, very, um, very analytic scope, mm-hmm. but that my staff and um, the kids we serve 
and the parents we serve, they hear the heart of it. They don't hear the data-driven background, the the like the the buzz of the machines that that mm-hmm. make things work, but rather they see where that leads to the heart and the kindness and how do we take these things that can be so robotic almost, mm. which is often a something that people say about ABA and we go, okay, knowing the science behind it may be very crisp and clear, but real people are messy and beautiful and and need that nuance and need the description of frustration rather than the description just of of function. And we meld those together to create sort of a middle ground. Does that make sense, Martha? That really does. And I, I love that so much. Um, and I think that's really helpful for nannies to keep in mind of, you know, that, that when we as nannies are observing behavior um, and given, you know, the average nanny is not trained to collect all that data. But I do think that we have a habit of collecting data and then um, without being mindful about our, our own thoughts about it and things like that, that we can start telling a story about the kids that we take care of that might not be true um, mm. just from data points. Does that make sense? Certainly. Certainly. That's something we see a lot with kids as they've, they're working through our programs and we're going say, we've got a friend and I, I, all the kids I work with, I call friends. Mm -hmm. I've got a friend who's really struggling with transitions. Let's say Mm -hmm. as soon as um, we need to go from something we really like to something we're not as keen on. We really have a lot of feelings in that moment. And those feelings are coming out of our hands and coming out of our mouth and all sorts of ways that, that are disruptive to the family and, and won't, serve this child in the long run. And we've been working with them for a while. So now instead of, you know, kicks and screaming, what we're hearing is I'm feeling really frustrated because I don't want to end my video game, which is awesome. And the parents are happy and my staff are happy and everything's going great. And then we have a couple of rough days for whatever reason, maybe we were a little tired or a little hungry or what have you, but we have a couple of rough days. And everyone feels like, oh my God, this is the worst. Everything failed. This child is this, that, and uh, I don't know what to do. But if we have the data to back it up and to 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 look at things, we can go, oh, this is this is just a little bump in the road. Everything's well. Everything's fine. As long as we're making progress on the whole, this little bump is, is just fine. This is human. We're all good. Um, so we can use that data either to go oh my goodness, everything is terrible, horrible. Or if we keep it long enough, we keep it well enough. When things are getting better, we can see those bumps in the road and know them for what they are instead of feeling like the world has fallen apart on us. Right. Yes. And I think that that is so important too, because a lot of times nannies, but especially I think parents um, have do have a tendency to like, just see, you know, this weekend didn't go well. (laughs) And instead of um, looking around for why that might be, um, start, you know, letting anxiety get the best of us and being like, well, this is just, this is how it's going to (laughs) be. You know, I have to like change all of these things. And it's like, no, no, 
Uh, let's look at what happened this weekend. Um, let's look at things like hunger and tiredness and what was different about this weekend. And let's then also think of, you know, in the long run, like what is happening and, and things like that. So I agree. And also just developmental phases. <laughs> like, mm, so true. There also is just like, there are times that where a kid gets a new skill and for a while, like that kind of swings everything else, maybe out of alignment for them and, and all of that jazz. So yeah, I think that that's, that's really an important point of, of when we are collecting data, just um, being aware of, of what we've collected and zooming out and zooming in and mostly zooming out. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. We, when it comes to data analysis, we need at least three points to be able to speak to a trend. And many people will see one point and, and call it a new trend. And that's, that's a very natural human thing to do. But what that turns into is um, parents firing nannies because there's one data point out of line and feeling like, again, that the world's falling apart or nannies quitting because there's a data point out of line. And that's not to say that, that either isn't correct in their choice, but that there are times when data could inform us and, again, give us, give us that moment of clarity and that bit of perspective to allow us to go, oh, wait we're good. Like, yeah, today sucked. This weekend was horrendous. I can't believe it. The other thing that I'll see too quite often is um, things will get, so we've got the the example I used earlier, the child that is screaming and punching. Well, we might get those under the control. And then the next thing you see is they're, they're calling you names. They're not screaming them and they're not punching. So it's way better, not acceptable, but way better. And as that behavior becomes slightly more intense at times, parents will be like, man, I feel like I'm back where I started. And if you have that data to go, man, so it feels like you're being punched and screamed at again. Oh, wait. No, no, that was way worse. And it's that doesn't mean that their feelings are invalidated in that moment or you should try to invalidate them because if they're saying they're feeling the same way, then absolutely they are. And we can take that moment to go, wow, if this hurts as much as that, let's let's talk about it. Right. And have those open conversations. And quite often, what we'll come back to is, this is a really hard moment. Man, we've made a ton of progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I also am, am very curious about what you said earlier about when you were giving the talk about burnout. And mm-hmm. you saw families who their children, you know, their, the behaviors were, um, so much to help with, like they needed more support and they, they couldn't find that support. And I'm curious, have you worked with families who have nannies, um, in that sort of situation? Because, I know, I know of nannies who have gotten hired and, you know, they're like, they walk in and the kids feel out of control is language I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so 
and they end up not being, you know, they end up being the nannies get burnt out. And I know that the parents are burnt out and they, you know, want to find a nanny who will stick around. Um, and so I'm curious uh, your, uh, your perspective on, on that situation of like trying to bring in an additional caregiver when the primary caregivers are already feeling overwhelmed. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that is so difficult to walk into those situations and you want so badly because who can't adore a kid? Even if it's a child you just met, <laughs> I mean, you're going to adore them immediately. And, and it can be so heartbreaking to go, this is, this is not a healthy place for me to be right now. And to have to, to have to leave a family. Um, that can be, I mean, I don't feel that from the nanny perspective, but I've felt that from the, from the practice perspective for what I do. There's sometimes where I have to go, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. This is, this is not a case I can continue on. I can't, I can't be as, as helpful as I need to be to be serving you correctly. And um, for my own health, I need to step away. Man, that breaks your heart. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. The cases that I've had with nannies, because we are a company that invites any caregiver in. So when we start, what we do is we have a full assessment and we put, um, caregivers through crisis prevention and intervention training, whether they're seeing crisis behaviors or not, it's a super, super helpful training, um, that makes programs move more quickly because the parents have the background knowledge that they need. But also we, we, in our like starting price, they get two seats immediately, but they can get additional seats. And we always encourage, please, if you've got, um, a grandparent who's regularly around, or you have a nanny who's um, working with you, please, please, please consider having them join as well so we can get them in as a part of the team. And part of that is just continuing education for everybody involved. And part of that is making sure that nannies know and that other caretakers know you're part of the solution. Like we're, we're in this together. We're, in, we're investing in this, in this change together. Um, it doesn't make that moment of walking in and going, oh my goodness, this is a little different than I expected any mm -hmm. easier. Um, but being able to bring nannies into our sessions, into our trainings, into everything else, because in that moment they are a member of the family, has been an exceptional, exceptional change maker for us. Yeah. And I do think that that's so important. After our conversation, either last week or two weeks ago, I, um, I did post on some of the nanny boards and ask about for any sort of therapy. So, you know, OT or PT or um, any sort of therapy, what nanny's experiences were around having access this, you know, similar access as the parents, if the parents approved of that, um, which I would hope that the parents would. Um, and almost everyone said like, yeah, some of them were like, I know more about it than the parents do. I'm report, you know, like telling the parents oh, and filling them in. Um, and so I, I do think that that's really interesting because it is kind of, uncharted territory um not really uncharted i mean we've we've been doing it for a while but i do think as as the profession of being a nanny 
gets more and more recognized mm-hmm. um, that that is helpful in changing that so that the nannies also are in the room learning alongside the family and the child. Um, Absolutely. And that's so interesting to me too, because some of the nanny groups in my area had the exact opposite experience where they were told they weren't allowed in to different therapies or um, weren't given the opportunity to be a part of any trainings. So it might be um, like different parts of the country have different therapeutic cultures. I'm not certain, but I'm so glad to hear that so many nannies have had the experience of, yes, I was involved. Yes, I was given the support and the education that I needed. And yes, this is this is a way that I um, have been included in the family because that makes such a difference. Agreed. For the kids, like especially. And I think sometimes um, we lose sight of that. <laughs> uh, mm. That like we're, you know, the the nannies are, are also caregivers for the child. And so any trainings that we give to the nannies are also like coming back to help the child. Um, sometimes I think that gets lost. Um, yeah. I'm also curious about the other end of that, that you spoke to of the kids aren't, you know, quote unquote, bad enough to need mm-hmm. support. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, especially in that, like if a nanny is seeing behaviors or, you know, maybe the family is aware of them too. And it's like, well, this doesn't feel diagnosable or, um, like we're, we're just unsure. Like these are mistaken behaviors. We want to change the culture in our house, but we're feeling overwhelmed about like how to do that because it's not like they're biting us every day, <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what advice do you have around like helping a nanny either learn more so they can, they can help with, with those types of things or advocate for the kids so that even if it's not, you know, past a certain threshold, they're still getting, the kids are still getting some support. Definitely. So what I have seen before is nannies will, will, they'll come to the parents and say, Hey, this is going on. And the parents will say, Oh no, that doesn't, that doesn't happen with us. So it's, it's not occurring. Um, Mm -hmm. I have seen that, that invalidation, or I've seen the, um, the parents say, yes. Oh my gosh. It's horrendous. That's why I need you here. Like this is, you're, you're giving me reprieve from, from this from this challenge. And when I say horrendous or, or describe anything negatively, I'm not describing a child. I'm describing a behavior. And I want to be very, very clear on that. No bad kids, period. No bad kids. Right. Behaviors can be intolerable and behaviors can be annoying and behaviors can be all these different things, but that is not a description of the child. So little caveat sidebar in this moment, but <laughs> I wanted to make sure that that, that was out there. Um, the next thing I would think about for for nannies that are experiencing 
challenges and going, oh my goodness, these, these behaviors may be a little bit more than, than what I know how to handle or what I bargained for is to reach out to a company like ours. We do free discovery calls uh, with anyone. So if they want to do one and then the parent would like one separately or they all want to sit together or what have you, what we can do is talk about the different things that are available. Now, there's also, um, if you look up registered behavior technician training and then add free on there, there's some, some training for um, in ABA for registered behavior technicians, which is the, the like line staff of the ABA world. So the, the folks that spend the most time working directly with kids. Mm. Um, so that training is available. It's 40 hours worth of training. I'm not going to say it's my favorite. It's oh, right. a lot of um, classic ABA um, examples and a lot of classic ABA style, which doesn't exactly fit what I'm doing anymore, what I advocate for. Um, and it can be helpful to get some knowledge from there and who doesn't love free. Right. So it's, you know, (laughs) if if you choose to do that, please do, um, remember that there's a, there's a gentle warning label on there, but free training is always, um, always a good thing to consider. Yeah. Also, um, reaching out to just individuals who are, behavior experts. And it doesn't have to be me or my company. There's plenty of behavior experts that are outside of ABA, that are inside of ABA. Um, There's a number of them that I will collaborate with regularly specifically to make sure that that we aren't just every other ABA company to make sure, you know, people people who very literally said, hi, um, I hate what you do. And I would run over uh, BF Skinner with a car if I had a chance. BF Skinner being the the father of behavior analysis. I'm like, okay, cool. We need to talk because we're going to be friends. Right. <laughs> let's let's talk about what gave you that that strong reaction. Let's talk about how we can make it better. Um, so there's a lot of options out there, and there's a lot of options out there for free if you're willing to just say hello. As I said, um, our company does discovery calls for free. Uh, you're welcome to get a hold of me. I'll make sure, Martha, that you have all my information to send out with this podcast um, because we want to help and we want to support you. Yes. And that information is all down in the show notes. So <laughs> check it out down there. Um, and we will also touch on it at the end, um, how to get in touch with Kelly. Um, but that is wonderful. I also think... Um, that yeah, any sort of um, nanny training, like international nanny training day is going to be good for if you're having these feelings, like nanny palooza covers certain things like this too. So there are a lot of resources if you are feeling overwhelmed um, by certain behaviors. The Furry Princess, a tale about a princess with a tail. This children's book follows Princess Sasha, a tiger about to receive her royal tiara as she makes new friends and finds self-confidence by learning ballet. Follow Sasha on her journey to become The Furry Princess. Available for purchase at thefurryprincess.com. Now, For the first scenario that you kind of mentioned there of a nanny is feeling overwhelmed, they're seeing behaviors um, 
that are, are feeling concerning. They go to the parents. The parents are like, that's not happening for us. So we don't care. Or the parents are in denial, you know, maybe they're like, sure, but like, it's just normal, you know, like you get like a boys will be boys or like, that's just normal kid behavior or whatever. Um, What are, what are some ways that a nanny can like advocate for, no, we, we do actually need to address these behaviors. Oh, that's so important, especially with the, the boys will be boys type things. So Mm -hmm. I think from an example, one of the things that I have is um, when I work with kids, we don't generally play uh, fake gun games. Like I don't bring out Nerf guns. We don't do finger guns. We don't make things that are guns. It's just a choice for me as a provider that that's that's not going to be a part of, of my sessions. And that I live in North Carolina in the South. Um, it's There's a lot of gun culture and that is just fine. I'm just not bringing it into my sessions. Right. Nothing wrong. We'll not talk one way or the other as far as good, bad, or otherwise. It's not coming to my sessions, period. So I know from the beginning that I have that limit. So I would say the first step for everybody who works with kids that are outside of their own family and perhaps even inside of their own family Taking the time to go, here are my hard limits. This is what I um, will put up with. This is what I won't. So for example, um, I may be totally okay if a parent gets stuck at work and arrives 30 minutes late um, for for the time that I should be off. Like I I have understanding for for that. And I might not be okay if a... um, child is calling me certain names, like certain um, slurs or what have you and go, you know what, that's, that's a limit for me. And knowing that from the beginning and expressing that when you go into this relationship with these parents, this professional relationship can get ahead of a lot of these issues. Like, Hey, this was one of the things I'm seeing it. I told you that this is one of, one of my limits. And that doesn't mean, you know, see you later. Goodbye. It it can, it sometimes, Um, it can mean that sometimes rather. But often it'll mean, hey, if I'm seeing this and I recognize it, it means that I need more support and we, we need to take care of that to be able to move forward. Right. If it's something that came out of the blue that nobody could have recognized was going to happen. Um, so let's say biting, for example, because quite often we'll see that biting occurs with one caretaker. And again, I consider nannies one of the caretakers mm-hmm. more than others. So if just the nanny is seeing biting and the parents are, say, in denial about it or um, just not understanding the the intensity or the concern, um, I would suggest that you schedule a time specifically to sit down and talk about this concern and the implications of it. Meaning, hi, I this is this is what's occurring with me. I respect what's occurring with you. I agree with you. Your truth is absolutely true, parents. I believe you and I, I hope that you believe me as well. Here are my solutions. We can get more support. Here's three different places we can. We can um, talk about transitioning to another nanny who doesn't have um, this this hard line. Or we can, you know, whatever, whatever your third or fourth or fifth option may be. But coming forward, creating a time that's specific for talking about this and coming forward with solutions that include 
places that you'd like to reach out and quite often putting the, um, putting the impetus on, on yourself and going, I'm going to reach out to these if I get the okay from you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. I just need your okay because these are your kids, um, can be really helpful rather than saying, okay, well you reach out because if they're not feeling the problem, they may not have the full inclination to reach out or they may not, um, describe the behavior to, to the degree that it needs to be described in order for the provider to be able to fully support. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I'm also curious, um, about the, the cost of these behaviors. Um, you and I talked briefly about it before. Um, and just like how, how that quickly adds up because sometimes parents hear like, okay, well, yeah, my kid punches or throws things sometimes, but like, you know, what, what am I going to do about it? And like, we, you know, we can't afford whatever. Um, so I'm curious about like the cost of those mistaken behaviors. Absolutely. So we have an ebook called The Cost of Behavior, How to Calculate the Cost of Your Child's Behavior and What to Do Next. It focus, focuses specifically on that because what people often don't realize is just um, grin and bearing through a, mm-hmm. through a challenge, through these behaviors, is costing money. It's absolutely costing you money. It could be um, the time you're taking to clean things up. It can be uh, medical bills if they're hurting themselves or hurt someone else. Mm -hmm. There's expulsion, removal, uh, losing nannies, losing babysitters, having friends that won't visit anymore, and losing all of that, the support system that can come with some of these challenging behaviors. And then, of course, time is money. The, The more time that's being spent trying to work through these moments could be better invested in getting the support that you need to be able to have these moments not occur anymore and to have a, a child who has the skills that they need to express themselves to say, yes, I'm, I'm totally up for that or no, thank you. I, I, I don't appreciate that. I don't want that um, while maintaining their, their respect and while also maintaining their dignity and, and advocating for themselves and working through those moments when things don't go their way. Or again, you can continue to grin and bear it and continue to um, spend money on, on that Yeah, because your time is money. Simple as that. Yes, it is. And also I, I appreciate your point about like expulsion or medical bills um, because you know, like that can turn so quickly, right? Like you, you're like, well, they're just, you know, like, yeah, they, they threw a pillow, but they would never. And it's like, well, yes. And a a pillow is probably an appropriate thing to throw, but if it's escalating, if it, if their emotions are bubbling up so much and there's not the skills there to know what to do with those emotions, to know to go grab a pillow, things like that. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Then yeah, it can just escalate so quickly because once it's broken, it's broken. That's so true. 
That's so true. When we're in that first stage of I'm getting my anger out, I'm getting these feelings out through my hands, through throwing, we'll do exactly that, Martha. We'll go through and we'll put pillows everywhere and silk (laughs) scarves and everything that's throwable but soft. And then after, so we've got the basics of like, okay, stuff that can be broken. We've kind of put a lid on that. We have all these things available that are fairly appropriate to throw. Like the, you know, the the balled up socks and all those things. Oh, they're great. Then from there, we can work on the skill building, but doing that on your own without the support of somebody who isn't kind of in the weeds, somebody who can see the forest for the trees sort of thing mm-hmm. makes it it's so difficult. It's so difficult because you're already at that state of burnout because quite often you won't realize how far you're into these behaviors and how bad they've gotten until you're already burning out yourself and the parents are burned out themselves and it can be difficult to explain to parents like, hey, this is, this is going to get bad if we don't get it now. Um, when, again, you've got that, that cost-benefit analysis going on and the full understanding of like, hey, no, this is already costing you money isn't, isn't there yet. Um, and we've got a great flow chart in our ebook that specifically goes through like, okay, let's talk about all the things that you're already doing or that are free and see what we can do to get you the support that you need and make sure that you've got everything covered and that when you go and you're you're trying to get these supports, you know everything that you need to know to be able to get the right ones at the right time. There's a lot of things to think about. There is. And I I have read through the ebook and it is it's short just for listeners. If you're like ebook, I don't have time for an ebook. You do. You do absolutely have time. (laughs) It's super short and to the point. Lots of pictures makes it easy to go through. (laughs) Yes. Um, And it, it is so helpful of like taking a lot of like the emotional baggage out of it of just like what, you know, what behaviors are you seeing? And like, here's how to calculate it. And then also the resources page at the end is so helpful um, in in that you all have broken it down into like, these are the the free options and these are the less expensive options. And these are maybe the more expensive, but like, we'll get the job done options. Absolutely. And um, they're all so important to know. Yes. Yes. And to, yeah, just see what will work for your life and, and your nanny family's life is so important. Mm-hmm. And it's it's important, I think, to mention too that, that in the ebook, it's not like a buy our things ebook. <laughs> it has all sorts of different resources from a ton of different providers and different directions you can go to find all sorts of different providers. So if you're not in our area, again, we're in um, Wake Forest, North Carolina. We serve Durham, Raleigh, Cary, that that whole triangle area. Um, this will still be helpful to you. Even if you can't access us in person, there's a ton of resources in this ebook that will help you find the resources that you need in your area and to be able to, for example, work through, um, be a part of a pediatrician's visit that's really positive and, and you get everything out of it that you need. Um, you don't need to be in any specific area for this to be helpful. Right. Yes. That section was very helpful of like, cause sometimes it is just intimidating to know how to even ask for help mm-hmm. of like, I know I should bring this up to my pediatrician, but like, 
how do I do that? And often when you're talking to your pediatrician, your kid is in the room. So if they're, you know, like if there's challenging behaviors going on, there might be challenging behaviors going on right then, especially if a shot is involved. So it is great to have that like ready to go so that there's less like thinking in the moment and just like, these are my questions. These are the things I need answered. Absolutely. And something to consider too, that we see a lot at, um, at pediatricians or at meetings uh, with us and the parent is a, a huge trigger for many kids is hearing people talk about them, especially mm-hmm. in a way that's, that's less than perfect or less than positive. So hearing somebody say, yeah, we're having this challenge in that moment, quite often what I'll see with my friends that are, that are feeling really triggered by that is they will stop what they're doing and stare and they'll pay really strong attention or you'll see them playing very quietly, quietly with their ear pointed toward the adults talking. <laughs> and later, you know, that's, that's may not be an in the moment trigger. That might be one that, that sort of acts as what we call a setting event. It sort of switches your mood for the, for the rest of the day. It sort of sits over everything else that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the day might just explode. <laughs> it might just just right. be like, man, I'm feeling really, really bad about myself in this moment because I heard other people talking about me. And anybody can relate to that. If I heard, let's say, my significant other being like, oh, man, we're having some serious problems with Kelly right now. She just she is not doing the dishes. And I'm going to be honest, Martha, I'm terrible at dishes. So this would be fair, <laughs> a fair thing to say. But I might be like, man, I feel icky. Like, I, I don't really want to hang out with them right now. Um, I don't really feel like being nice. And if anybody tries to tell me to do anything, well, I might I might have some toot over it. And honestly, it's kind of fair. So considering in those situations, too, um, if you've got a kid that's that's really affected about by being talked about almost every kid, some more than others, almost every human, really, some more than others, Um can we connect with the pediatrician in a way like, can we send a pre email and they can have the answers typed out for you sort of thing. And then you can just ask some questions that are a little bit more, more um, vague or ambiguous. So as to protect the, uh, the self-esteem of, of your little friend as they're, as they're going through this moment in life. Cause if they're having these challenging behaviors, they they're going through a hard moment and hearing other people talk about it may very well make that moment much harder. Yeah. Another thing that you can do, especially as nannies, is offer to go to those appointments and say, great, like, let's go pick out your sticker and let the parent then stay in the room with the pediatrician for a few extra minutes so that they can talk. Um, I I love that solution. That's so protective of the of the child's feelings. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I've, I've actually not like necessarily for those reasons, but I have been along on um, doctor's visits and it is like so nice. I, I think for the parent to have the nanny there because it's like this extra set of hands. And so the parent can really be focused on like what they need to get done at the doctor's office um, for the health of their child and the nanny can help, you know, keep the child refocused on whatever the next thing is, whether or not you're going to look at the fish out in the lobby or, or whatever it is, you know, keep them moving. Absolutely. 
if you are not um, offering to go <laughs> with your nanny families to the doctor, it is something worth bringing up, I think. Because a lot, I think a lot of families, just like we were kind of talking about earlier with therapy, a lot of families are like, well, you know, I think there's some parent guilt around it of like, Mm -hmm. we want to be the ones that are taking care of our child. Like we're not going to send our child with the nanny to the doctor. And one, you know, if that's fine, if that is how they feel, but I also think having the nanny come along is worthwhile. Now, sometimes (laughs) the nanny needs to be at home with the other children. (laughs) So the parent can take one child to the doctor. So have what works for your what works for your uh, nanny family, but just keep that in mind that it is an option. And especially if there is kind of a harder conversation or questions that need to be asked, it's a good solution. Absolutely. I think that's really important what you brought up there too, that shame of like, I should be caring for my family and, and no one should see me having a nanny. Man, I really hope that we continue to see that stigma change because nannies are awesome and they're <laughs> so life-changing for families. And what you're doing is is not a replacement of a parent. And I know you know that. Right. So I might be speaking to the parents in this moment that you're not being replaced and it doesn't mean you're ineffective or bad or what have you. Having a nanny is a wonderful, wonderful addition to the family. And I, I, I hope that we can continue to to change that view and to help more parents go out proudly and, and not go out with guilt or shame um, when they have the support they need. Cause that's a, that's a huge reason they don't call me too, Martha. They mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get calls and I'll pick it up and I'll say, hi, Kelly. Um, I'm calling you because I'm a failure and um, I'm a terrible parent and I wouldn't have called you otherwise. I'm like, oh man, no, no, no. You're calling me because you're a wonderful parent. If you were a terrible parent, you never would have called me. Like, this is what makes you such a good parent. It's like having a nanny is what makes you such a good parent. You're getting the support you need so that you can be the parent that you want want to be and the parent that you need to be. And I'm hoping, 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 hoping more and more that as we see self-care and emotional well-being and all those things as important and a part of our general health, that we'll continue to continue to see that stigma fade. Yes. And I appreciate whenever um, women and men, but I, I can't think of a man actually doing this yet. Um, but like Amy Poehler is very vocal about the fact that she could not do what she does without a nanny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I know that there are other actresses in particular who, but I can't remember any of them off the top of my head right now, but I just love Amy Poehler. So I follow her more closely and um, she is very vocal about it. So I do think that it is changing. um, And I am hopeful that as we also, as nannies, you know, talk more openly about how professional uh, how this is a career and, and all of that good stuff and advocate for ourselves that I do think that the tide is shifting. Cheers to that. Absolutely. I think I'm hoping that it goes similar to, um, like PA's personal assistance Mm -hmm. where now just about everybody, um, in business is either using a virtual assistant or a 
personal assistant and it's no big deal where, where maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was like, oh yes, that's so, it's so this or that or the other thing. I'm like, no, it just yeah. means you're rocking. Like <laughs> it's, it's cool. Everything's good. We're going to, we're going to move through this. And the fact that we're leaning on each other and creating this community to care for our children, that's beautiful. Yes. Let's do more of that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I love it. Well, I know that we could talk forever about this because um, I really enjoy speaking you speaking with you about um, about all of this about uh, getting kids the help that they need and the support that they need families mm-hmm. the support that they need. Um, is there anything in in this episode because I do really want to have you back on um, that you Absolutely. would like to. <laughs> that you would like to touch on in this episode? One thing that I bring up in just about every podcast that I'm on, because usually I'm talking directly to parents, is you deserve support. And I think Mm -hmm. that that needs to be said to nannies as well. You deserve support, period. Like, stop right there. (laughs) There's there's Mm -hmm. no caveat. There's no, um, oh, you deserve support after you've tried hard enough or after, you know, it's just – you deserve support. And I I hope you don't forget that. I love that. Thank you. Um, For listeners who want to find out more about you or, or want to get in contact with you, where can they do that? Absolutely. So they can go to appliedbehavioralhappiness.com. There are buttons all over the web page (laughs) to schedule discovery calls. As I said, those are totally free um, it, we don't go like, well, you know, the family had one, so they don't get another. No, if mom and dad want to go separately and, and nanny wants to join, or you want to, um, do one separately as well. Good to go. Come on in. We want to make sure the, the information gets out. And if we can, if we can help killer and if not, that's okay too. Um, y'all are also, well, I should say if we can't help, we will refer out. We will give you as many resources as we can. Y'all can also send me an email. My uh, email is Kelly, K-E-L-L-I-E, at appliedbehavioralhappiness.com. Lovely. And all of that information is also down in the show notes. So if you're driving or doing dishes, do not worry. Um, You don't have to write it down. Uh, Wonderful. Well, we end each episode with a fun, cute story. And Kelly has brought one. Always. So I want to tell a story about um, a little kiddo that I was working with. And I I do work under HIPAA, so I'm going to be very vague about things. So everything I say is true and vague enough to make sure that I'm maintaining confidentiality. Beautiful. So a kiddo that I was working with um, at the rescue ranch. So where I was working with the abused, neglected, and wild horses. And it was one of my kiddos in my special needs group. And we were just working on being able to communicate what we wanted to do and who we wanted to do it with. So just working on those basic skills. And I had this one little friend and they were super excited about one particular horse who happened to be one of our rideable horses. And it happened to be a day where we were doing rides and we got everything all put together and they decided who they wanted to be their sidewalker. So the person that walked next to them, who they wanted to lead the horse and who they wanted to watch. We got the whole thing set up 
and they got on top and they were waving as they walked around and like, look at me, look at me. I'm a princess. Look at me. And it just, it was so wonderful. It was one of those moments of yes. Yes, you are a princess. You did all of this. You communicated all your needs, all your preferences. When things didn't go your way, you worked through it. You got on that pony and you are a princess. <laughs> it, was just, it was just so wonderful. And I'm, I hope that all the kiddos I work with get to have that moment of, yeah, look at me. I'm a princess. Like I am rocking this. It just, it warms my heart every time I think about it. Oh, I love that so much. That is, <laughs> what a great story. And yeah, they are a princess. You're right. Absolutely. Anybody can be a princess on top of a pony. Goodness gracious. <laughs> totally. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for taking time to talk to us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Martha. Let's talk again in the future. We will. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. I love providing Chronicles of Nannia to you at no cost. So if you love this podcast, please consider donating by clicking the support the show link in the show notes. I also totally understand if a donation isn't the way you can show your support right now. Another excellent way to support the podcast is to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings help other nannies and caregivers around the world find Chronicles of Nannia. Also, if you love the show, tell your friends. Word of mouth is so helpful to get the word out about the podcast. And truly, thank you for listening. It really means the world to me. The Chronicles of Nannia is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.